Evan, welcome to TV with friends. Hi, Chelsea. Hi. Oh, we're back again, and we are going to talk about the first season of Big Little Lies. Uh, we have two episodes that have already aired in the second season, which are amazing, but we're not going to talk about them because we're going to save it. Um, and then you and I will do our own season two episode. But for right now, we're going to talk about our favorite parts of uh, the first season, some of the most like poignant and emotional parts. And Evan, first of all, uh, because I wanted to save all the storyline of Celeste for you because you really like uh, Celeste and you really are in tune with her character. Um, how do you, how do you feel about, and again, we're erasing her what happened in season two, but how do you feel about Celeste? What do you think she kind of represents and what are the things that really make you feel for her? I mean, the thing that makes me feel the most for her is just, the fact that she's such an intense character and she's surrounded by this very heavy, heavily negative force, which is her husband. And, you, I mean, we don't find out about that until, you know, a little ways into the first season. But the fact that she holds herself up so high and she does it on her own, she does have support from her friends, from from Madeline and, and everybody else, but... Mm-hmm to hold yourself up that heavily because of the weight that you're carrying on your own shoulders, you should, most people I feel like would cripple under that pressure. Right. Would, would just kind of completely disappear as a person, mm-hmm. as a mom. She has a, she has a, a, she says it. she has, we, she says we have this, this dirty secret. We have this secret uh, between us and it, that must, and you can see it in the, you're absolutely right in the way that she carries herself and just not only what she's going through with the domestic violence and the abuse, but hiding it from her kids and hiding it from her friends who are really good friends who would be there for her in a second, but she just can't bring herself to, to say that. Well, almost even hiding it from herself. Yeah. At the beginning. Yeah. She is, in order to protect yourself, I mean, you know, when, when anybody goes through something that traumatic, you almost don't want to take the time to recognize it. You want to just kind of push it under, sweep it under the rug, for lack of a better saying. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you have the power to do that is, makes you such a strong human being. I mean, there's not many times that I can recall having an, an intense emotional response to something and keeping it inside. Yeah. I can't say physical response because I've never been in that exact same situation. But, right. Um, exploring that and kind of self-evaluating. Yeah. She does it on a regular basis that she, she, holds, she keeps herself up. Yeah. She does. And she has a lot, just like a lot of the other ladies like Madeline or Renata, who are huge figures in, uh, in Monterey because they are successful in business or in Celeste, uh, 
she was a very successful lawyer, but now she has a very successful husband and this huge, beautiful house. And she's so lovely and so kind that, you know, she's kind of like almost a local celebrity and Madeline has so much. Renata is, um, a, a, you know, very fierce businesswoman. They have so much that they, they just can't go blowing up their lives. There's something almost in, in Monterey, things are, are happening in a vacuum there because everybody is watching and everybody knows your business like any small town really, but there's a, a, a level of power and wealth and success that you have to maintain. And she just to expose this, all of that would crumble. Um, let's talk about, go ahead. Oh no! I was gonna say, yeah, there would be no no life left for her. She just yeah kind of pulled the curtain back yeah and exposed everything that's going on. Just because, like like you said, in a small community, everyone talks. Mm-hmm. Everyone talks about what's going on. I mean, we know that better than a lot because we come from a small community. And yeah, we do. Knows, it, I mean, literal literal six degrees of separation mm-hmm. is. So true. It's so much so pressure. True. Yeah. And we, you were right about how she is in a, a state of denial because let's, let's talk about the therapy sessions, which just saying this show, I have not seen uh, sessions or sessions of therapy on film like this, where the characters explore so much and go through so much. I don't think since maybe the Sopranos and as someone who has been to therapy uh, many, many years of my life, um, I really like to see uh, TV characters in therapy, whether it's from the doctor's yeah. perspective as someone who treats or it's the, the person seeking the help. You can do so much with a character by putting them in one room for a long amount of time and then just creating dialogue. You know, it's just, yeah. it's, it really makes for great television. And so when I see, you know, that she's going to be in therapy for most of the season, I'm just like, Oh, we're really going to know all about her now. And, uh, Dr. Reisman, who's played by Rob, Robin Weigart. We were talking about her and the Deadwood movie. She's calamity Jane. She is awesome. And she's a huge fan favorite in big little lies. A lot of, uh, my friends and, uh, at work who watch it are just like that therapist though. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> I would pay. I would pay thousands of dollars to go see her. Mm. I literally. <laughs> just, just be like, uh, is there a line forming? Okay. Yeah. Uh, how much? Yeah. Here. <laughs> how much? I would love. I would love these therapy sessions because she, she, she breaks down. For the first time, you see before she breaks down Celeste. The first few sessions, you see Celeste and Perry. Um, you know, and Perry's like. Oh, sometimes I get mad and I'm afraid she's going to leave me. And I don't, I don't want to be this type of person. And he's just saying the things that he thinks the doctor wants to hear. And then Celeste says, well, yes, but then we have sex. It's violent, but then we have sex. And then he's a good dad. And then there's love there. It's very, very complicated. But as the show progresses, and, you know, the scenes of violence between Celeste and Perry they become very, very graphic and very scary. And we start to see, um, even when Celeste is in therapy, sitting on that couch, she's flashing back to, uh, to scenes of abuse and violence. And the only way 
that Dr. Reisman can kind of get through to her is to start speaking as a lawyer to her and to ask her questions that if she were to be prosecuted for their divorce, these are the questions she'd have to answer. Like, why didn't you tell anybody about the abuse? Why didn't you tell your friends? Why didn't you call the cops? Why didn't you record this or take pictures or blah, 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 do any of these things that, you know, maybe one could do to escape that situation. And what, what do you, I mean, I think that's basically how we got through to Celeste. I think, yeah, I think that's the only way that it was going to get through to, to Celeste. And through her kids. I mean, it, and through her kids. But, well, and that's a whole different thing because, I mean, you're talking about the formation of a, a child's mind mm-hmm. and they're hearing and seeing and all of this weird shit that to them is unexplainable. Right. But the fact that it takes the therapist to break through and that, that happens for a lot of people because, you know, humanity, we can't deal with our own shit most of the time. Somebody else has to break it down for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the only way that it would have resulted in what it results in in the end. Right. Like, the way that she's able to le- start to actually have the thoughts of leaving mm-hmm. and go through the motions of actively participating in saving her own life and saving her children's lives. Yeah. And not just saving their life as a, as a mother um, protects her children and will always, but maybe another, if she didn't get it at the therapy uh, session, maybe another uh, place where Celeste really comes to with this whole experience is when Jane tells her that, um, that Amabella told Ziggy, the kids, who was really hurting her, and it turned out to be one of Celeste's twins. Yeah, and well, that's, that's the first time that, and they don't show it, it, just, it doesn't show the remainder of their conversation, but um, I think it's Jane that says, you know, they grow out of it, and Celeste comes back to her, and she's like, you know, sometimes that maybe they don't. Right. And I feel like there's more to that conversation than was shown, mm-hmm. because I really feel like that was probably the first time cyclical what happens in in our lives and you know if chances are if if your parents were abusive you know you might come out with abusive tendencies because it's what you knew and it's what you saw at home and and like you were saying these these kids are are their sponges and you know the parents act like you know like throw Madeline in there what's Chloe seeing with Madeline Chloe her daughter is seeing that, you know, thank God Chloe is very advanced and recognizes that her mom's crazy. Um, but what she's seeing is her behaving inappropriately in, in public, starting fights with other adults, being rude and demeaning to people below her. Yeah. You know, it's just 
these thank God we have these beautiful, innocent creatures in this show. Otherwise, these women would look insane <laughs> instead of strong, competent, you know, independent, like, you know, it, without these kids and showing them as, as being good parents, they are all really good parents, even if they're a little messy. It's hard because it, I think a lot of, I don't know this and don't quote me on it, but a lot of the, the formation of who you will be as an adult mm-hmm. comes from what you experienced before the age of 10 or 11 or 12. I agree. And if it's rough and tough, it gets pushed to the back. And then when you get older, when we get older, it then gets pushed to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And it's like we we end up kind of just reenacting yeah. what we see in different ways, shapes, and forms. But ultimately, we're reenacting what we went through: traumas, mm-hmm. uh, divorce, relations, divorce. I mean, anything that you saw as you were growing up, it's soaked in. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't come back until you're we're too old to. Right. Yeah. And, and you and I were, you know, we were sharing some, some times on the phone the other night about things that, that we remember as children. I think I was six when I was telling you that story and I'm 34 now. And I remember it like it was, it was yesterday. I can't remember all of my childhood that way, but you know, I, I can remember a little, uh, you know, the important pieces and the really, you know, the pieces that are really impacted me. And I remember that because I'm supposed to remember it to remind myself that, you know, I shouldn't be in the same marriage that my parents were in, you know, and we shouldn't repeat the bad behaviors of our parents and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It is a, it is a rather harsh reminder. I mean, I remember, this, I think I remember this story I was talking to you about was when I, when I heard my parents fighting mm-hmm. and I can remember, I can remember it like clear as day I mean my parents are still together and I mean as far as I know we love each other and whatnot. but I yeah. remember that that fight so clearly I remember exactly where we were mm-hmm. I remember exactly who else was in the room and yeah. just like and it's weird because you, you compartmentalized all of that stuff for the longest time right you do hold on dogs being crazy pause Dog is making noise. One second. Come here. There we go. Get on the bed. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Had to take a moment for the pets. But anyways, getting back into that. And you might hear Gil making some sounds. Um, No, in that that moment that you and I are talking about of of when we're experiencing what our parents are doing, um, we see that. In the finale, I think, when the boys are sitting on the couch and he can hear uh, Celeste crying and like in pain through a vent and they like zoom yeah, in on the like, vent. And the and and, yeah. And that's one of, I mean, that's one of the most intense fights that we mm-hmm. show. Like, he just looks like a predator. Yeah. She's already on the ground. She's already like, incapacitated Mm -hmm. and writhing in pain and he's still walking towards her with like this fist like he's gonna hit her again terrible terrifying Halloween mask yeah yeah and 
not what he does. He enjoys it. And he, and when they, you know, she, uh, I think the episode prior, she, um, accidentally hits him in the, in the dick with something. <laughs> I yeah. forget what happens. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. She almost, yeah. She hits, like injures him basically. Yeah. And he comes back once they get home and he goes, and she goes, let me get you some ice or something. And he says, you're lucky I didn't kill you. So yeah. this is not this is not the guy on the couch telling the therapist how much he's afraid that Celeste is going to leave him. This is not the guy, you know, playing with his sons and looking like a good dad. This is a fucking monster. And it's so you get so scared for her right up into the point of the finale, which we're going to take a little break. And because I'm glad we started with Celeste because spoiler alert, you guys are listening to a podcast about big little lies. Perry dies at the end. Um, so before, before we get there, um, I'm glad we did take some time to talk about Celeste because in, in, in many ways she is one of the main stars of this and is very, very affected by almost everything going on in this show. So when we come back, we will talk about uh, the murder and the gala and all the fun stuff that happens on the finale. So we will be right back. All right. And we're back and we're talking about the finale. Um, Pretty great finale, actually. (laughs) What we thought was a series finale at the time. Yeah. We thought that, oh yeah, let's go back and say that, you know, how we felt about this. I felt great about this as a limited series. And I was just like, this is, this is amazing. I'm so sad that I don't get more, but wow, what a great series. And aren't we lucky enough to have like all these amazing actors on a show and, you know, because you would never think that Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, that they could, you know, sign a contract with HBO to create a three or four or five season, you know, series. So when we did find out very shortly after the finale that they were doing season two, I mean, yes, that was amazing. But going back to when we just thought it, that this was a one series, um, the finale so, so much happens and it just gets more and more and more intense. So we talked about um, how it opens with uh, Celeste and Perry. He's just hit her shoes on the ground. They're getting ready. Everybody's getting ready for the party. And, you know, as we're going into this place, there's, there's a lot of like secrets that everybody's still kind of keeping. Um, And one of those secrets is Celeste is being abused Jane was raped by who we won't know until the end is Perry. Madeline, Madeline cheated on Ed and admitted it to her daughter. And it's not Ziggy who's hurting Amabella. It's actually one of the twins. So, so far, that's a lot of tension that everybody's carrying around. Go ahead. Yeah. Hovering right over the bubble and it's just waiting to pop that bubble. Yeah. And that's where that's where so much of the tension comes from because you know that all of this is gonna come out. Mm-hmm. 
the only thing I don't think was a, I don't think that um, Jane's rape was a secret at this point. I think she had talked to at least Madeline. Ma- at least, Madeline. yeah, she had spoken to Madeline, and then yeah. Uh, oh wow! Wait, maybe she did tell Celeste as well because in that exchange with when Jane sees Perry, she looks at Madeline like that's the guy. And then they look at, sorry, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but okay. Maybe I can't remember now. I'm sorry. I cannot remember if, if uh, she knows that Jane was raped and I mean, obviously she wouldn't know it was Perry until that final moment, but you know, yeah, we're still going with that. Maybe that's part of the unshown scene um, that we were talking about when, when Jane goes to Celeste to tell her that what Ziggy told her about the her boys actually being the ones that are hurting Amabella. Mm-hmm. Like that's why that's why I feel like there's so much more context to that scene yeah. than was actually shown. Yeah, that we can't, like it leaves that. I think that was probably part of the plan in case it didn't get picked up for a second season. Mm-hmm. Like you're laying the groundwork for the fin- for the finale. You're laying the groundwork to finish this mm-hmm. limited series, but at the same time, you're keeping in your in the back of your mind, like, okay, could this go further? Could it right. continue? Yeah. But I'm wondering if that's why we didn't get to see that scene. Maybe that's something that we'll get to see in season two. Okay. Like, kind of like a flashback where mm-hmm. we get to see the full conversation between them. Yeah. But yeah, like, I'm, as soon as the And they're the also... Sorry, they're also um, they're also basically just by establishing that at the end, all of these characters, even though Madeline and, and Celeste and Jane are friends, but now there's five of, of them down there. All of those characters understand each other for the first time completely. And all of their cards are on the fucking table. And that's a really cool climax kind of for a finale. It's, it's really like, it's really great that we're just like, Oh, everybody gets it, you know? And you don't have to think that maybe one character was ambiguous, but since it's a limited series, you'll just never know. So you just kind of put it out of your head. There was so much uh, understanding going on. And then here, before we get into that. So, cause I do want to kind of talk about like their pack mentality once they're all down at the stairs, but when things start to get intense is when Ed is kind of starting to notice Madeline's secret because he's looking at Tori and then he's looking at uh, the guy, Tori's husband, who Madeline has slept with. Then he goes up He goes up to do his performance. They're all performing Elvis songs and he goes up to do his performance. And when he comes back, he's standing next to uh, Bonnie and, um, and her husband is about to go up and perform. And so while she's standing there by the side stage, side stage, she's looking across the party and she sees Celeste walk in and Celeste is walking in. Like she's looking, she's looking for Madeline. She's looking for Jane. She has to say something because at this point she's already been caught by Perry. Yeah. 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 He knows about the apartment. In the first, in the first season. So heartbreaking. That, that was honestly the most terrifying scene, I think, because mm-hmm. you just don't know what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Like, he's discovered her secret. They're in the car. nowhere to hide. Yeah. Yeah. They're in the car, and there's no way to, to get out. And thank God, Renata and Gordon are right behind them. And she 
basically just like gets right out and runs with her. She grabs Renata and they start going into the party. And now Perry is out of control of that situation. He's con- she's, he's lost her in the crowd. They're walking through the, this like tree lined outdoor event. And um, Madeline, uh, she finds Madeline and they start talking about it. Jane finds Celeste and Madeline. They go down the stairs and as, um, and then Renata it comes down and she, it's kind of really sweet, right? Right before Perry gets there, Renata uh, apologizes to Jane. And it, I just, I love, I'm, I really love that. And I, and it was like, look at, go ahead. It's almost like we're kind of walking down the golden road. Like we're heading towards, it, it's such a great way to lead it into the end of that story, that, that portion of the story, mm-hmm. because, Madeline coming to the realization that she really did do a shitty thing. Yeah. And she's someone that really does care for her. Mm-hmm. So she's the one, she's the first one that runs down. Yeah. Jane sees her You're right. run down, so Jane goes after her, and we're like almost taking steps down a ladder. Like, mm-hmm. we're building to this huge event, but they're all kind of crossing their own bridges. They're yeah, dealing, yeah. Finally dealing with things that they didn't want to deal with before, and it's helped by one another. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's—it's almost like that's the way that people should deal with each other, anyways. Mm-hmm. Like we've all gone through shitty, shitty situations. We've all—we all have to process the feelings of those shitty situations, right? But we get defensive. Yeah, to help you and be your friend is something that you don't see very often anymore. No. I mean, other than friendships like ours, like where we can call each other at a, on a whim and bitch and cry. And can I, maybe you've heard about this because you know about film, but in movies, and I don't know when this came about, but I've heard it on podcasts, and I believe it's called the, the Bechdel Test. And what it is, is if you're watching a movie, do you see two women on screen at the same time talking to each other? Okay, check that box. Now, are they talking to each other or are they talking to each other about a man? If it's check because they're talking about a man, then that movie does not pass the Bechtel test because the Bechtel test should say that women on screen have better fucking things to do than talk about men. And like who we're, who we love and stuff and like or you cheated on blah blah blah. Usually in stories with this many female characters, it's much more like catty. And I mean they are catty. They are bitchy and catty sometimes. Oh, yeah. But like think of oh, like yeah. Desperate Housewives or Melrose Place or like something where women just hate the other women because they think that they're about to try to steal their man or steal their job or whatever. But- still boils down to being about a man. Exactly. Yeah. And then this, it's about wanting, and and that's the, one of the best scenes. I want more when they're screaming in the car. I want more. They want more than just to be a wife and to be a mother. And guess what? So do a lot of other women want more than that. And it's, and it's really cool that we're seeing this not only passes the Bechdel test, but that these women are coming together to be strong 
together to support one another because when women come together and support each other we can get amazing stuff figured out we can get amazing stuff done and we can protect each other and so once Renata apologizes and then Perry comes down he's already four against one so even with this brand new friendship that Renata and Jane and Madeline and everybody's all good he's already four against one so Okay, let's talk. Let's talk about this a little bit. Um, what did I want to take it back to what you said huh. about the way that they conveyed so much? Yes, with no words. Yes, with no words whatsoever, because that was phenomenal. And the way that the characters put it together, and they look at each other, especially Nicole Kidman. Um, she looks at Madeline and. Uh, Jane, mm-hmm. and she's not sure what to think at first, mm-hmm. but then it clicks. That's how. That's how I'm. I'm about ninety nine point nine percent certain that Jane had talked to her about it. Oh, oh! I just remembered it. Fuck. Sorry. <laughs> um, oh, I scared the dog. Um, <laughs> uh, I remembered it because remember when Jane drives down um, to San Luis Obispo to see that like architect guy or whatever. And she has yeah, a gun in her purse. Yes. And they're, t- so she does know that they are trying to find Ziggy's dad. So therefore yeah. we can kind of say, she, maybe she does know. Wasn't it just Madeline? Wasn't it just Madeline? No, her and Celeste were talking about, about it on the phone. About Jane's gun? Uh-huh. And it, whether or not it's a good idea oh. to be going there or not. Oh, okay. I don't remember that. Okay. That's okay. I was like, no, sorry. It would have been bothering me. But yes, so she does know, (laughs) she does know something that has happened with Jane. And it's, and so once, and and it's also a great moment in TV because we, you realize that, that Jane and Perry have never been on screen together (laughs) through like this whole time. And their sons go to school together and they're, he's friend, she's friends with his wife. Celeste sees Perry yeah, they had never had they had never ever been on screen together. So, what a fucking great no. twist that is. And it's right as it's right as what you're talking about with their eyes connecting and putting together the pieces and going he raped you. Oh my god, putting it all together. We start the camera starts going back and forth to a, a bunch of different things. It starts going to like the lights of uh, the police car, then waves break against a rock. And then you see, you know, the fighting that went down and at the end of the staircase and how it's, for, it's, you know, four against one and they're pulling on him. And Perry is such a big guy and he's so, you know, tall and strong and everything that he's just pushing, you know, throwing Madeline down. Nobody can, you know, stop him from coming towards Celeste. And, you know, he's eventually got Celeste down on the ground and he's kicking her in the stomach. And then Evan, you tell them what happens. And then Bonnie runs down the stairs and just literally goes full force, both hands out, running, screaming. Yeah. That's right. Fucker, you deserve to die. (laughs) That was fucking awesome because it's almost like the sound stops or they could have like cut to black for a few seconds or something. And you're just like, 
oh my God, because you see this like this frenzied moment of like almost like they're almost like animals trying to protect each other and stuff. And there's just like clawing and fighting and scratching and then boom, it's over. It's so good. It was so good. And Bonnie, out of nowhere, out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, it's, it's so difficult. It's actually really difficult to watch because it's like, I don't know. I don't know. You, we, we watch so many things where women are made to look like victims mm-hmm. and look like they can't handle themselves in those situations. But Bonnie being just as small as Reese Witherspoon mm-hmm. and being a tiny woman and just having that strength inside of her to recognize what's going on and say, no, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Fuck the fact that you are beating up these other four women. She's like, no, no. We have to hold each other up. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to defend each other. Like, we have nothing else out there to defend us right now. Yeah. And it, it, it happened in a very, at a very good time because it's a very hard state of the fact of the world that we actually exist in, that it's hard, it, women's rights are not being respected whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have to stand up for each other. Yeah. And that's, and this is, it's just such a great example of, it's not even like, let's kill a man to get revenge because he cheated and he's bad. It's, it's more like, no, there will be no violence towards women. We will protect each other. And I really, you know, we should have said this at the top of the episode, but you and I have never, we will, we're open books. We'll tell you anything you want to know on this podcast that we probably will in the future. Um, we have never been through a domestic abuse situation and, you know, but we have been in our share of very hard relationships and we've learned a lot in relationships and we're in good ones now, um, because of what we've learned. And, you know, I, I just, I think if, I couldn't be imagine being a woman who was going through this, watching this show and sitting through those scenes, you know, with Celeste in therapy and answering some of the the same questions that Celeste is asking herself. I mean, really, I, I really truly hope that it does empower women to find help. And, you know, if you know someone out there, our listeners or anybody, we got to stand together. We have to stand with people and we have to make sure that they're doing okay. And if they need help, we got to be there to help them, whether it's domestic violence or, you know, coming out of the closet, or if you're feeling, you know, like you're going to kill yourself or whatever, we all have to be checking in with the people around us because we never know what they're going through. And I mean, Evan, if you were in this situation or I were in this situation, you know, we would be there in a heartbeat to, to get each other out of oh, it. Yeah. yeah. No questions oh, yeah. asked. Just no. I, I know you would be on my doorstep. I'd be on your doorstep. We would fly like, right, crisscross in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. come up here. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. Get the dogs. Let's go. Get out of here. And even the, and it's so, it's such a painful subject matter, but I'm just glad to see it portrayed in a way where women can look strong. You're absolutely right. They can look strong. And it's, and it's respectful. It's very respectful to the manner in which everyone decides to deal with their trauma. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's, there's no, it's so hard to kind of view it or have it viewed as on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. But 
more to be portrayed as sexually exciting. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's great. It's great. Yeah. Sex scenes are hot, but they are uh, not coming from a place of passionate love or good love. Yeah. And yeah. And, and so let's talk about the kind of that fade out um, of what we saw at the, I'd say this is probably the last five minutes of the finale. Um, we're looking at Perry's funeral, which is watching this again, knowing that there was going to be a season two got me really excited because what we got was a montage of these women who have gone through this experience together. Obviously they're not in jail for it. So there's no crime that can be, you know, put, sorry, they can't really put on, put anything on them yet. We see that detective looming around and in season two, I'm sure we'll get to that. But in these moments, they're coming together at the funeral. Their children are together. They're consoling each other. They're at the beach just trying to feel free and trying to see, be in the sunlight and see the good and, you know, coming together for their friends who have their, her, her sons has just lost their father. You know, it's, it's very, just seeing them together after seeing them kind of branched off and not really liking each other so much. It's, it's really, it's so beautiful. And the soundtrack and the, the beach and everything, it's just, it's such a beautiful series. And the way that they, they can take something like a vicious, scary murder that took place because of domestic violence and rape. And now we see these strong, beautiful women, you know, forming a sisterhood. It's so fucking cool. Yeah, it's, it's, the only thing that makes me sad about that situation is that it took it takes something like that for them to come together mm-hmm. finally. But I mean, just at the end of the day, whatever brings people together is a form of strength. Yeah, no matter what. Let's hope it's not murder, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really let's bond over TV shows. That's yeah, what we do. That's, that's what, what we do. do. Find something, yeah, find something to bond over your differences and, yeah, make sure anybody in your life that needs you. And, you know, this podcast is called TV with Friends because my friendships, especially yours and mine, are some of the most important things I, ha- I have in my life. You know, like I, yeah. I know I would be able to get through anything that happened if I got divorced, if my mom died, if I, you know, my, when my dog dies, something bad that I could foresee happening to me. Uh, you know, if it did, I would be okay. Cause I have, cause that's what friendship is. It's just this community and pillars of support around you. So go be a good friend to your friends if you're not doing so already, <laughs> because you might need them one day. If you're not a good friend, you might have a very hard time. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to, and the world is crazy. We got to stick together and uh, yeah, we're going to talk much more about the Monterey five and these awesome ladies uh, in season two. We're going to wait till after it is aired. So we're not airing any spoilers or anything like that. And uh, yeah, great job, Evan. This was fun. I'm so glad we got to do this. Oh, this is great. This is, yeah, this is a, one of the shows that uh, it's, it's not quite the scale of like 
Game of Thrones in terms of everybody I know watches it. So when I do find my crowd that watches this show, I'm just like, oh my God, let's freak out together because it's a phenomenon. It's 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 going to be, and the second season, you guys, is so, so good. It's so good. And what we got in the first season, I feel like we're going to get 10 times the amount of shit happening this season. So it's going to be great. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um- I'm going to catch up to you tonight. I'm going to finish the second episode. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, we'll chit-chat like we usually chit-chat. Yeah. And then in a few weeks, we'll do our extended podcast. Yeah. And, and we'll be, really get into it. Yeah, we're really going to get into it, and uh, it's going to be great. So before we go, I just wanted to um, do a little corrections. Last episode, I suggested a show, and it is called When They See Us, not Wait Till They See Us. I listened back to it, and I was like, oh, I totally fucking said that wrong. I don't want to be the person who's giving you bad information or sound like I'm not held accountable. So please keep watching that that show. It's on Netflix and now there, yeah, it's on Netflix and it is now the most popular show that has ever been on Netflix or the most viewed show in its first five days that it aired on Netflix. It is breaking records. It is breaking hearts. It is bringing people together. It's amazing. When They See Us by Ava DuVernay. And there's also on Netflix, if you want to cry, if you've didn't cry enough during the show and you want to cry more. There's also an after show with Oprah where they get into making uh, the show and they speak to the exonerated five and uh, the real guys that the show is based off of. So as someone who loves TV, I really encourage you to give that a shot. It's so good. Oh, awesome. You talked to me about this already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to watch Yes. It's yep. called when oh, they see us just writing that wrong right there. Um, so Evan, until next time, thank you so much. You're my best friend, and I love you. I love you so and much. We will see, or we'll see you guys. You will hear us talk later. Bye. <laughs> Bye.